Morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Good. I'm I'm well. Thank you. Um, so yeah. So as as we as we said this morning, uh, we are in Matthew 11. Um, there there is a lot of stuff in Matthew 11 that. I think can make us sit up and take notice. Uh, and, and, it's, and really Matthew 11 is a lot about views of Jesus and how people are perceiving him, how, he, how he's being received by people. And, and I want to I start off with a question for us this morning. And, and I want to even invite some feedback here, spur of the moment. But if, if you're asked, what does it mean to be a Christian? What do you say? What do you say? Just, just, I'm looking, if, if anyone wants to respond, what do you say when someone says, what does it mean to be a Christian? What would you say? A follower of Jesus. It's obeying Jesus' commands. It's, 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 if you want to be open and real about following Jesus. And that, that I, I'd agree, that's, that's really, it's about following his commands, and I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. If, if someone were to ask me, Paul, what, what does it mean for you to be a Christian? I'd be like, it is, it's about following the way of Jesus. That, that is what this is all about. And, and if you're going to follow him, you're gonna have to answer that question, right? I mean, it, it is going to, it, it, in a sense, you will get it. You should get to that point where people are going to ask you that. And, and then the question is, what are people going to do with that? Right? When, when they know, what are people going to do when they know that following Jesus is at the core of my life? What will they do with that? And that's, and that's really a lot of what Matthew 11 is about. How people respond to Jesus. And so I, I titled this morning, Don't Stumble Due to Jesus. He talks about it here. He says that. We'll get to that. But, but I want to I come to this text, to this chapter, with the belief that the essence of human nature has not changed. That you, we, we fast-forwarded 2,000 years from, from this gospel, but and, and time and cultures and, and understandings have changed, and they're different, but the core of humanity has not changed. What, what Scripture tells us of, of the inclinations and the motivations of the human heart, that hasn't changed. And, and so... I approach Matthew 11 going, there's a lot of stuff here that I need to see about myself. So I want to I start, let's read Matthew 11, 1 to 19. They'll be on the slides behind me. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? 
Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving Jesus, he began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there is not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let them hear. To what can I compare this generation They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say here is a glutton and a drunkard. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. So, Jesus is preaching and teaching in Galilee here. And this, Galilee was under Herod's governance. And Herod was the guy that had imprisoned John. Because John began speaking out against some of Herod's extramarital affairs. And he had married his brother's sister. And there's all this stuff swirling around Herod. And John was not one to be shy about calling him out. And so he's put in prison. And so it's in this area... (laughs) under the governance of this guy, that Jesus goes into this area and he begins preaching and teaching. Think about that. You know, there's like John, Jesus is like, I'm, I'm not going to be stopped. I, I'm going to do what I need to do. And so maybe this is, I think this could be the reason for John's question. He hears about this, what's going on. And so he comes to to Jesus. He sends his disciples. So he sends his disciples because he's in prison. He says, okay, like, are, are, you, are you really the one? Like, and, and maybe what John is asking him really is, are you going to complete the mission as, as John understood it, right? He's going, what's going on? And, and there seems to be this sort of ambivalence, if you will, or, or mixed feelings about Jesus that are happening here with John and maybe, and maybe even his disciples, and, and so Jesus says to them then, as, as he replies, he says, blessed. And, and remember what, when we went through the Beatitudes, what blessed means. When he says blessed are, he's, he's saying, in sync with the kingdom of heaven are those who aren't going to stumble on account of me. And so Jesus, he's, he's aware of all these expectations that are on him as 
the Messiah. If those who are, who see Jesus as the Messiah, what their expectations would be, you are going to deliver us from Roman rule and occupation and all this stuff we're under the Romans and you're going to deliver us. You're going to deliver us from this guy, Herod, who's just, he's an angry brute. You're going to get us out from this. So this, this is, that's the general stuff kind of hanging around Jesus. And, and maybe John and his disciples are coming to Jesus and they're kind of like, I'm wondering if, if John was wondering, as he's, as he's kind of hearing about Jesus going, why are you not as hardcore as me? Because John was pretty hardcore. If you read into what, John may have been actually part of a religious sect at the time. We don't, there's some theologians that might wonder that. But he was, just read it, what we know of John the Baptist. He was hardcore, was he not? The guy ate locusts and grasshoppers, guys. He's, he's hardcore. He's in the desert. He's kind of living this nomad life, right? And he's like, he's probably like, what's with your style, Jesus? Like, why aren't you like me? Like, why, why are you, like, right? Like, how come you're wearing still the slim jeans? You know, like, like come on, the, the wide legs are in. The flare jeans are in, Jesus. Why aren't you wearing the flare jeans? Long live slim jeans, by the way. But Jesus says, look, I might not do as you expect. I, I may not operate within your expectations. And that's the thing we see about Jesus all the time. He's challenging the comfortable norms that the people thought he should operate within. Or the way that John thought he should be operating and what he should be doing. You know, and it's, it's one of those things, right? It, maybe it, it should raise the question in us. Does Jesus always align and, with my opinions and my expectations? You know, it's a funny thing. Jesus always seems to align with me. You ever ask yourself that? Jesus, he then begins to speak of John. And he says, who was he? Is he a prophet? Well, no, he's actually more, he said. He says, in fact, he quotes from Malachi 3.1 there. And when he quotes of, okay, he's quoting from Malachi, the Old Testament. He's quoting from the very words of God to speak of John. That's something. I mean, obviously, he's not belittling John. But he says that, you know, that verse in Malachi, he quotes that you there is speaking of the Lord himself coming. Like, Jesus is making it very clear who he's claiming to be. Now, we get to verse 12, and I don't know if you, like, when I was going through here again, and I, and I was reading this, and this has always been one of these verses, verse 12, that you go, this is just really hard to understand. And, 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 and scholars have debated this. I mean, we, scholars continue to debate. Biblical theologians continue to wonder, what, what does this really mean? And, and so that, where it says there, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence. What or that can mean, equally, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. Some of your, your Bibles might say that uh, in, the, in the verse. So the question becomes is, is Jesus talking about grabbing hold of the kingdom from like, or, like, do whatever it takes to get hold of the kingdom. Is that, is that what he's saying to us? Or is Jesus talking about that nothing can stop, nothing can hinder the advancing of God's kingdom and its purposes? Anything that tries to get against the kingdom of God, it's futile. So what is it? 
Which one is it? You've got to really grab hold of this, like forcefully take the kingdom of God, or it's, it's advancing, it doesn't matter. You know, if you, I, I happened, lately I've happened to see some clips of debates in, the, in our House of Commons. And I don't know if you guys watch any of those little debates that are going on in our House of Commons. It, it's beyond frustrating. Like, I, I, I watch it and I go, there is just, everyone has just got talking points. It doesn't even really seem to matter what the questions are. We just respond with talking points and with a whole bunch of stuff, and we never really get to the real issues. And I'm sitting here going, why are we not getting to the real issues that impact people? We see the global turmoil that's happening right now, and, and, and it's, it's real, and it's hurting people. Right? And so, and so I, I watch this and I'm like, what in the world? These are the people that are paid to govern us and are paid, like, seriously? So, and I watch as I go, oh, Jesus, I need a kingdom perspective. That, that is what I, I go away with going, oh, man, do I need a kingdom of God perspective in these days. Because I have to battle in my mind to go, I need a kingdom of heaven. This kingdom of God perspective to take hold in my mind. And you know what that comes down to partially? Not a lo- actually, not even partially. So you know what it comes down to? Can I trust Jesus? Can I trust Jesus? Jesus, that, that what we sing about and what we declare and what we, is that, can I trust that? That, that you are who you say you are. That, that amidst all the madness that we see going on, that Jesus is the Lord. What if he doesn't meet my expectations? What if he doesn't do what I expect him to do? And so Jesus goes on here and he says that, that God is speaking through his law and the prophets right up till John. That's, that's a huge statement. How, how do we understand this? And, and, and maybe, like, maybe we go, what, what does it even matter? He talks about how John was the Elijah to come. Right now, now Elijah was, was the guy in the Old Testament who, who never died. He, he was taken up. Right? And so there was this thing that had grown in the Jewish people, like that Elijah's going to return because he actually never saw death. And, so that, and, and, and it spoke prophetically of, of the return of Elijah. And so, again, Jesus says here, like, John was in that sense, he was the Elijah that came to prepare this way, to prepare the hearts of the people. And then, and then Jesus, he, again, like, he's saying a lot of stuff here that we really got to think about because he says he says then he talks about this generation in verse 16 to what can I compare this generation he says and and Jesus there then contrasts himself to John and and what he's saying is look there's very different approaches John had a very different approach than Jesus did right there was there was a different call on each of them John was out in the wilderness he's people are coming to him he's baptizing them of their sins they're repenting of their sins he's baptizing them and, and so Jesus contrasts this, and he says, it's like a wedding and a funeral. 
right? The two opposite ends of the spectrum, the, the celebration, the joy of the wedding, and, and, and the sadness and the mourning of the funeral. And he's saying either way, it doesn't matter. Nothing satisfies you. It just doesn't matter because you, you, want, you don't like it this way, you don't like it this way. And, and, and really what Jesus is getting at is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to you. You don't want, you didn't want to receive from John and you don't want to receive from me. And what Jesus is getting at here is that there was different messages, different approaches, sorry, but the same message. And, and, he's, and he's really, what he's saying is, you're just making up excuses to disregard and to judge me. You just don't like it. And Jesus is holding up, if you will, a mirror to the people. He's saying, look. Look. And in a sense, he's holding up a mirror to us. And he's saying, are you willing to look? You know, in John, it's so interesting what, what Jesus says here of John. He, in verse 11 there, he, he says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Like, he was the man, right? Jesus is saying John the Baptist was the man. All the, think of all this. All the people born in human history, and let's just say up to that point even. Let's just contextualize it first century all the people born in human history, all the people known to man up until that point, Plato, Aristotle, all, all of the rulers, John was the man, Jesus says. Weird dude, right? Like, he wore, he wore camel skins for clothing. He ate locusts and grasshoppers. I mean, I think if you had met John, you'd be like, this guy is just a weird, like, kind of a bit eccentric, probably. He's, he's kind of out there. But Jesus said it here. And then he says this, yet John's the man. Yet, are we getting it? John is like, he's the man, all caps. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And, and from what we know, I, I, I would say I think Jesus loved John. I think he did. I think they, li they likely had probably been somewhat close as young boys. We know that Mary and Elizabeth were close. They probably hung out as boys. They were close in age. When, John, when Jesus came, John honored him before he baptized him. I mean, John had a, a huge appreciation for who Jesus was. Jesus was shaken, like absolutely shaken to the core by John's death when he was beheaded. So I, I don't think here, and Jesus isn't belittling John in any way. This isn't like taking shots at John at all. John, he was the one that came to prepare the, the way for the Lord himself. So how could someone least in the kingdom of heaven be greater than him? How does that make sense? I think it's about devotion to Jesus. Because as great as John was in the human sense, there was doubt creeping in him, into him about who Jesus was. 
and he came to Jesus. And that's the thing we shouldn't miss too. He didn't let it linger. John didn't let the doubt linger and let it grow. He, he sent his disciples to say, okay, what's the deal? What's going on, Jesus? Anyone who's least in the kingdom is greater. Anyone, Jesus says. Being part of the kingdom of heaven is something to go after. I think that's what we're meant to see here. Don't, whatever we do in life, what, wherever we're going, don't miss the kingdom. Don't miss the importance of the kingdom of God and you being a part of it. The kingdom of God, and this is the other part of this, the kingdom of God is only advancing through one person. One person only. Jesus. The kingdom of God is advancing on this earth, and it is in Jesus and Jesus alone. He, is the, he says here, I am the son of man. He claims, he takes the claim of the Messiah on himself. So let's move on. So verse 20, we think that was weird. Just, just wait, guys. Let's just wait. Let's read verse 20 to 24. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns. Does that, does that just like, do you get set up, to, set up and take notice? Tonight? Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. This is, this is harsh. I, I, this, is, this is in your face. I'll say that with a smile, but this is in your face. Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, comparing them to Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom. So I just want to give us some context for this. Tyre and Sidon, we read of them in the Old Testament. Sodom was a port city. Tyre was 20 miles south on an island on a rock, uh, a few hundred yards out into the Mediterranean. Uh, it was the center for commerce and trade. It was, it was rich and powerful, Isaiah actually spoke of its pompous pride. So, so it was proud of its origin. So, so think today, think about New York, a London, or a Paris. Maybe think of something like that. So this is, this is Tyre. What, so what happened? Well, Tyre refused to surrender to Alexander the Great, but after seven months of brutal, a brutal siege, laying hold of that city, he took the city, and everyone was killed or put into slavery. 
Sidon, on the other hand, it was beaten into submission by the Persian king Artaxerxes. And the judgment, this judgment actually was prophesied on them long before it happened. If you go to Ezekiel 27 and 28, you read of the judgments against Tyre and Sidon and their arrogance and their pride. And then, and then we have Sodom. Genesis 18 and 19, we read of Sodom. Grievous sin and wickedness. There wasn't even 10 righteous people in the city. God, prom God promised Abraham he wouldn't destroy it if there were only 10 righteous people in the city. Do you know, do you know why, by the way, why Abraham, like he, remember he kept, he kept petitioning the Lord, he kept begging him, like, what if there's only 30? What if there's only 20? Why, why did Abraham stop at 10? Because there were actually six people in Lot's family, and Abraham, if he had gone to five, he would have known whether or not Lot's family would survive, and he couldn't bear to even know. And so he stopped at 10. But Sodom, I mean, we see that, that when, when the angels of the Lord came into that city, the men of the city tried to sexually assault them. I mean, it's an ugly, brutal scene. If these cities had experienced the miracles you have, Jesus said, they would have repented and they would remain to this day. It, would be, it will be more bearable for those cities on the day of judgment than for you. What is Jesus saying? Is this harsh? Yeah. Is this also an invitation into reality? So, you know what? The message then has to be, right? We've got to strive and work to take hold of the kingdom. Right? That's got to be the message. Got to just strive, is it? Is that what it is? Like, like, just put your head down and work so that you do not lose the kingdom. That's a works-based gospel, by the way. I get it. There's, there's a part, okay, like, I'm not, there's a part of that. I think Jesus is purposely actually being vague about what all that means when he talks about that in verse 12. Like, is it forcefully advancing or do you got to grab hold of it? Can it be stood under well, either way, both ways? It's advancing, but don't miss hold of grabbing hold of it? Yeah, I think so, actually. I think that's probably, I, I, I think that's what it is. I think it's the kingdom of God is advancing. Nothing's going to stop it. Man, that's good news, guys. But don't miss it. Right? There's different sides to that that both convey truth. And this is the thing. Don't miss it because it is ultimately about Jesus. It is ultimately, it's all about him. When we, when we think that we've got it all figured out, and Jesus, he, he says this, we'll get to it in verse 25, we, he speaks of the wise and the learned. When we think we have it all figured out and we've put Jesus into our comfortable little box, I'm comfortable with this, Jesus. It's a funny thing, Jesus always seems to align to my ideas. 
Isn't that the strangest thing? I walk in life and Jesus always just seems to agree with me and, and Jesus never challenges me. And you know what I believe? Jesus believes. I have a problem if I live that way. So Jesus is coming on the scene in the first century. He's upsetting norms all over the place. You don't think this ticked people off? Like, oh my word. People are probably like, are you kidding me? And for some, that's how they experience Jesus today. Jesus doesn't submit to the cultural agendas and play to the madness of this world. He's not going to play with that. And this is the thing, right? If, if, we, if we're willing to change what Scripture says and remove parts of it, then Jesus will ultimately become what we want him to be. And, and this is the thing. If you, whatever you want, if you want to align yourself with a certain position, if you want to start believing this or that, I guarantee you, you will actually find other Christians that believe that and align with you. And you will begin to formulate a theology based on this and this and this. And you'll find enough with social media, you'll find enough people out there that then begin to align with what you, what you want to believe. When we get detached from this, we're in dangerous, dangerous, dangerous waters. And I'm not saying there's not lots of stuff here to work out and lots of stuff to, to debate and stuff to, to really wrestle with. And chew. I'm not saying that. But this is the word. Or perhaps, you know, we've got Church Jesus over here. Church Jesus is nice. I like him. Kind of just lets me stay in my box. You know, he kind of aligns with me. Do we have a living, vibrant faith? with the living Lord Jesus as Lord of our lives. This wasn't about these towns, you know, necessarily persecuting Jesus either. That's, they weren't necessarily persecuting him. They simply neglected him. They ignored him. They, they enjoyed the benefits of Jesus, but they didn't actually respond to what he was doing in a way where they needed to. Repentance. Like Jesus is doing tons of stuff in that area. He's doing tons of cool, amazing stuff. He's like, he's, he's doing incredible things in the lives of people. And Jesus is like, but you're not being led to repentance. You're not being led to your hearts being changed. And I wonder, like, what, what do we expect in the days to come for those who remain faithful to Jesus? Do we, do we expect it like, maybe what we think about physical persecution like other nations, like there's going to be imprisonments, there's going to be beatings, maybe there's going to be death. Is that, is that how we think of persecution in the West? Like that's, that's what is to come? Maybe. What if, what if persecution in the West, though, in our life is more subtle? 
What if it's like maybe more like in communist times where you're standing for Jesus, you begin to be ostracized, you begin to be kept from certain positions, you begin to be unemployable because your views don't align as they should. What if, what if that's what persecution looks like? What if there's really hard choices that have to be made about standing for Jesus? What if, what if we're kept from advancements or we're kept out of the job market entirely? What if our kids are facing that? Man. Recently, there was, there was in... Uh, Australia, in Australian rules football, I don't totally understand Australian rules football. I think it's kind of like a mix of like rugby and they play on a cricket field, anyways. But there was a prominent businessman in Australia who was appointed CEO of one of the football clubs just in the last, I think, month or two. And the very next day in the papers, there's this massive controversy that links him to this evangelical church in the city where he is, a very prominent evangelical church. And a church that has, in the words of the media, controversial views. And multiple politicians then began to weigh in on this and who this guy was and the church that he's linked to. He sat on the board of the church. And so the individual was ultimately, within a couple days, he was given a choice, this guy. He said, you either leave your church or you resign the football club. So he resigned the football club. There's, there's all these questions, right, and that question swirling about rights and tolerance and religious freedom and all that, all that stuff swirls. What happens when our commitment to Jesus doesn't align with societal norms? And the thing is, it's been really easy to follow Jesus in the West for a long time. It's been relatively really easy. And that's changing. It is changing. Let's go on and read verse 25 to 30. This is where we'll end. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." It is so important to read these verses. Like, it's so important, but it's also it's so eye-opening to read these verses in light of Matthew 11. Right? To, to really, to get what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 11, and then, oh, this is where he talks about coming to him when we're weary. And there's this, this crazy relationship here between the Father and the Son that Jesus speaks of. Like this is, this is wild. Jesus is making extraordinary claims here of who he is. I, I, he's making the claim, I am the sole representative on this earth of the creator of the universe. I'm it. It's all on me. Whoa. 
And to follow Jesus, we've got to be willing to accept this claim. You're not the master of your own destiny. You have a creator. He sent his son to this earth to reveal himself. We either surrender to him or we go our own way. It is as simple as that. And so this is about discipleship. The crazy thing about discipleship is we have mainly in the West turned discipleship into this thing of it's about knowledge. As it's about what you know. You go, you go to Bible school to learn, to get a bunch of knowledge and theology, and that's how you become a disciple. So if you have the right amount of knowledge and, you, and you're pursuing this knowledge, then you're a disciple. Really? It's, it's not, it's, we, we've, we have not made it about following and obeying the way of Jesus. We've made it, you check the boxes and you have the knowledge and then, and then you, we think that we're good. Discipleship is actually really simple. It's actually about obedience to Jesus' way. And so then the question that we get to is, do we actually really want discipleship? Do, do I want Jesus telling me things, maybe through other people, that need changing and transformation in me? Do I, do I like that? No, 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 no. Ah, but the invitation, okay, this, this is the invitation. Jesus says, come to me. The reality of striving in our own strength and trying to take hold of the kingdom and we just got to make it happen. You know where that leads us? Weariness and being burdened. And Jesus says, just come to me. Take my yoke. This is my way. Take it upon you. Allow me to fit you with my yoke. Right? The yoke was what went on the oxen that they were led under this yoke. And Jesus is, is saying, come and let me put my yoke upon you. You got to come under the yoke. I, I read Matthew 11 and I go, the crazy thing is that people were missing, so missing what God was doing. They're, they're depending on their own understanding and wisdom. That's what Jesus says. I praise you, Father. You've actually hidden these things from the wise and the learned when we think that we figure it out and we're the ones in our own wisdom and our own understanding that figure it out, it's like actually it can be hidden from us. You know, it's, it's trendy now to, somewhat trendy, to embrace all sorts of other healing practices alongside our faith in Jesus. Lots of professing Christians, lots of embracing these other spiritual practices. About this time, the last year in this area, there was, a, there was a, a group that started and they led this journey to healing thing. 
It was, a, it was a weekend retreat for women that I heard about, and it introduced theta meditation into the group. And I was like, theta meditation? I haven't heard of that. So I, I started to do some research. It's this deep state meditation that you go to for healing. It's, it's all rooted in Buddhism. There's Christians embracing crystals and crystal sound bowls. Maybe you've heard of this. It's, it's sound therapy, they call it, where it, it aligns with the vibrations in your body. And so these sounds, as you listen and you meditate, and these sounds come out and they, 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 they interact with your body. And they bring our inner bodies into alignment. It's also Buddhism. We've got yoga, where we've embraced every position of yoga is connected to demons in Hinduism. You go into a Hindu temple, and you will quickly understand the reality of demonic activity. This isn't the way of Jesus. But we're embracing these things alongside because we, we, we've, we've come to believe there's a, there's, a, there's a deception and a lie taking hold that we need other practices alongside the way of Jesus for wholeness. I can't find wholeness without this. I, you know, it's... There's compassion in it because what you realize is people are so desperate for healing. That, that's the, the, the desire is, I, I am so in need of healing, I cannot take this emotional pain, I cannot, I cannot withstand this in my life, this physical stuff, so I just need relief. That's, so there's compassion in that. But what does Colossians 2 tell us? So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. I want to stake my life on that. I want to stake my life that that is truth. Everything is revealed in Jesus. Everything. Everything is found in Jesus. Jesus is sufficient for all things. All fullness is found in Jesus. Him. Everything. You know, this is the only time, I think I may have mentioned this before, but this is the only time that Jesus actually describes himself, apart from the, as the Son of Man or other titles. This is the only time he describes himself as what he is like in the Gospels. He says, I am gentle and I'm humble in heart. 
You know, the way of Jesus is found in humility. Jesus says, follow me. Become like me. Take my yoke upon you. Come under the yoke. At the core, at the core of who Jesus is and who we are called to be is this. Gentle and humble in heart. And man is that hard for us. Is that not hard to align ourselves to this? The next time that we're in an emotional exchange with someone and we feel that inclination to respond in a certain manner, that isn't humility. Man. I, this is hard. Can't do it without the Spirit. Cannot do it. But I want to end on the invitation because I think this is, this, is, this is why Matthew 11 as a whole is so important to not just preach on come to me all you are weary and burdened and I will give you rest but to understand what, where Jesus is saying this in. As, as, we, as the inclination in us is to, is to strive and to make it work ourselves and to, and to somehow come to our own understanding and our own wisdom in, in so many things. And Jesus says, come to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave us with some questions. I'll, I'll leave them up there on the, the screen and, and just some things if you want to go away with this weekend and want to work this out a little bit more and, and work out the text and make it personal to us and where we're at. You want to cut? Yeah, I'll, Dara, if you want to come up. That's, yeah, sure. Well, why don't I, yeah, you can stay. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the one who's meek, humble in heart. Jesus, that is, that is the very nature of who you are and what you embody and who you are to us. God, we ask that you'd help us. Lord, as, as we walk through life and as we, as we work through things in our lives and how do I respond to this and how do, and, and how do I respond when Jesus doesn't meet my expectations or Lord when you don't align with, with us or what we think God would you help us Holy Spirit would you be at work in our hearts and in our minds in Jesus name Amen